Hello, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we are going to be talking about the new moon in Pisces 3. Welcome to all of you who are stopping by. We're seeing, uh, give me a give me a shout out in the chat box here if you are here. Tell me where you're where you're uh, stopping in from and how you're doing. Let me know that you're here. That's how I know that you're you're hanging out with me today. Um, yeah, I hope that you're all doing well out there. We're gonna we're gonna kind of unpack uh, Pisces three a little bit and uh, check out what we are experiencing over the uh, over the next um, I don't know two weeks or so. That's kind of the uh, that's the time frame that we're looking at here. The next two weeks or so. Hello, Susanna from Finland and Lisa from upstate New York. And uh, thank you for, for coming today. I appreciate all of you stopping by. Hello, Chernobyl Show. Uh, good morning, Yevgen. Uh, exciting to see you all here today. Um, so today, as we see people kind of filtering in, uh, in the chat here. So we're going to be talking about the new moon in Pisces today. Hello, Tarja, uh, another Finland uh, alumni or resident coming through today. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about the, the new moon in Pisces 3. Uh, we're going to be doing an I Ching reading today. We're going to talk a little bit about the first quarter moon square and the full moon that is going to be coming up at, that is part of this cycle. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the story of Pandora and Elpis and, and Moros today. Um, I just did recently do a video on the sun ingressing into the third decan of Pisces. So um, check that out if you want to get a, a more in-depth exploration of Pisces 3. But I will cover some of the things today a little bit as well. Hello, Mira. We've got our whole fin Finnish crew here today. I love it that we've got a, like, I've quartered the market on a, a, the, uh, uh, an astrological country here. <laughs> so it's, it's always um, funny to me that, that there is this one little corner of the world that uh, apparently is a big fan of, of the channel. But I, I appreciate all of you and my Scandinavian roots are right there with you. I've got some some Viking blood as well. I have uh, some Norwegian ancestry in my um, lineage. So maybe that's what it is here. Uh, we have um, Dimfana uh, stopping in here as well from the Netherlands. Very exciting. So we've got quite an international crew here, um, which is always fun. It is always fun to see everyone stopping in from all corners of the world. All right, so keep keep telling me where you're where you are located and and saying hi in that chat box here. Let me know if you have any questions along the way. Um, yeah, we, Lisa's here from uh, from New York as well. So uh, yeah, let me know how you're dealing with this new moon energy. We are we're heading towards the new moon that we're going to experience on the 13th, which is tomorrow, Saturday, in the very early morning hours here on the. Eastern Standard Time Zone of the United States. That'll it'll be happening around 5:21 a.m. Uh, so, 
We are still, as we record this, moving through the balsamic phase, the dark moon phase. So we may be still losing a little bit of energy today. We may be coming off of the the um, the Sun Neptune hangover, I guess we could say. Uh, that is an energy that I described in my video yesterday. Is I, I always feel a little bit um, a little worn out whenever Neptune contacts happen in my particular chart. I feel like it's a you know they've described it as a dissolving energy, as a an energy where we are feeling maybe just a little bit like we want to melt into some kind of collective consciousness. Um, as I was talking about yesterday, Robert Schmidt likes to call to compare Neptune to a um, transcendental moon, and the moon being associated with form and substance. So in this case, this may be the kind of substance, Neptune might represent substance, that we are drawing upon and trying to infuse universal consciousness into to create something. So when we have a Neptune contact, there may be this impulse to kind of separate or dissolve back into that uni universal uh, substance that, that may even be devoid of animating spirit. Um, that was a real game changer when I heard Schmidt talk about it in that regard, because my experience has not necessarily been like, um, like this beautiful dream with Neptune. My experience has been... I don't want to do anything today. I just want to, you know, I just want to melt into the couch and not think about anything. And um, it really rang some some truth when when Schmidt was talking about this impulse with Neptune to maybe dissolve back into, you know, just this unanimated substance. So I think that that's important to to begin with because that is going to be you know, a player in our new moon as well. Um, we have to kind of think about that Neptune is going to be very close to the to the new moon within three degrees, even though it is separating from it. So we may be coming off of that energy. Um, but one of the things to consider, <clears throat> you know, there there may be some uh, impulses that may be a little bit self-destructive when we start off with this new moon where we have to be careful uh, that we are not getting too involved in, you know, this merging consciousness type of type of experience. And Yevgen is pointing out that it's a dark moon phase as well this week. And I, I agree 100% uh, that th this dark moon phase definitely helps us to feel a little bit tired, <laughs> you know, that we're, we're at the end of this lunar cycle and just feeling like devoid of light on some level. Um, so we'll see what happens when we get the new animating spark of the of the new moon tomorrow. Um, so let's start breaking down some of the other things that we're going to be seeing. So I'm going to I'm going to share my chart here today and we'll go back and forth through the uh, the chart that we're sharing here. Um, I'll talk about the I Ching. We'll look at the tarot cards associated with this new moon got my eye on the chat too. Just remember, I have a 20 second delay uh, from the chat box to what I'm seeing. So um, I will, if you leave me a question there, I will hopefully get to it um, as I'm going along here. But we can see here the chart of the of the new moon on March 13th, Saturday, 521 a.m. Eastern Standard Time from my home location of Michigan. Uh, and um, we can see that one of the things that we're, you know, already looking at is we've got this stack up here. 
with Neptune and Venus coming together with the sun and the moon as well. Now, Venus is in, in her exaltation right now. Uh, this is a very fortuitous position for Venus. This is a place where she really likes to be, where she is able to, you know, kind of bring things together through the, the, the boundary, boundarylessness of Pisces. Venus is able to kind of bring things into harmony with one another, kind of this universal love, this universal consciousness, um, this ability to create beauty, this unlimited experience of, of seeing beauty in the world. Now, when it's coming together with Neptune, though, that can, that can be something where we may be getting a little bit um, overly ambitious when we are thinking about uh, the beauty that's in our life. We may be maybe perhaps even a little blinded to the reality of our situation. Uh, this is a, um, you know, Neptune has also been described as an illusion planet that is associated with uh, with substances or substance abuse even, where we, because we may be wanting to dissolve back into universal substance, um, sometimes maybe Neptune doesn't necessarily care how you get there. Uh, it could either be through something like meditation or spirituality, or it could be through some kind of psychoactive substance that helps take you outside of that ego consciousness, that ego experience. Um, so we have to be careful with that, that we, through our, through the impulse to return to some kind of unity, that we aren't um, getting blinded to the fact that, that uh, this could steer us off course a little bit. Okay, so that's that's my my Cancerian warning for all of you. And Tarya in the chat is saying my moon is at 21 degrees Pisces in my chart, so this feels like a double balsamic moon time. So tired. Yeah, I agree, Tarya. This is a we're not only at the end of a solar cycle, we're about to experience a rebirth with the sun at the spring equinox when it moves into Aries. So we've got kind of the end of that solar year on some level but also the end of a lunar cycle. So again, yeah, we're, we're really experiencing that, that kind of low tide type of energy. But hopefully we've been using this time to find our animating principle. Um, this, this sign, uh, Pisces, is Jupiter ruled. Okay, So we, have, uh, we are looking to bring order back into our worlds. Jupiter was the demiurge that was wanting to create order um, after, you know, maybe a great battle with, with Typhon, the, the great monster, um, after, you know, Kronos had swallowed all of his children, and after, you know, uh, Zeus, aka Jupiter, had liberated all of the, his siblings from the bowels of Kronos, he had to go about ordering the cosmos and, and, and governing the cosmos. So there is this kind of judge energy with, with Jupiter, uh, this kind of ordering energy, this bridge energy. So with the nocturnal expression of Jupiter, this could be where we are trying to create some kind of internal order that may be based on our faith, on our belief system, on the, the animating creative principle that may begin internally. So a lot of times when we see Jupiter in its external expression with Sagittarius, uh, we may be taking external action based on our belief. But in this case, we are going on an internal imaginal journey that may eventually fuel the new start that we're going to experience when the sun moves into Aries. 
But again, we're still going through the, the end of our hibernation phase. So I wanted to, to point that out as well, because I've seen a lot of, um, there's been a few astrologers lately that are like, this is the, the make-a-wish new moon. This is the, there's nothing bad about this new moon. And I, I, I never think that. I think there's always a balance between light and dark, between anything that we're experiencing. There's always uh, you know, pitfalls and also advantages. Um, and this is, you know, you're always going to get this from me because my, I think my, one of my animating belief systems and principles is temperance and balance. So um, one of the things I've had to learn over the course of my own life is not to, uh, to get too extreme with my emotions. Um, I'm a Cancerian son, so I feel things very deeply. And this decan of Pisces does have some significations with emotional extremism. So I think that that's one of the things that we have to really watch out for is that we can we can ascend to the heights of our ecstasy, right? With this decan, we can you know want to fly high on the wings of Pegasus, all right? Which is you know one of the fixed stars that's that is very close to this new moon is is Markab, which is associated with the constellation Pegasus, and I'll talk about that as we move further as well. Um, I've seen a, a nice comment here. Lisa is saying, read the directions on prescriptions. Accidental overdose can happen or taking the wrong supplements without realizing. Yes, absolutely. That's another um, thing to, to keep an eye on when we're, when we're having kind of Neptunian placements is we can very easily miss a certain important detail that could lead to uh, kind of, you know, a dissolving in from our body. So uh, what goes up must come down. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, and that's something to keep in mind when we when we're starting this new energy here is that because of the preponderance of Piscean placements, when we are moving forward on our beautiful dream, on the vision that we are trying to manifest, we may fudge some important details, we may fail to read the directions, and that could get us in over our head, which will we will look at when we look at the uh the hexagram for the for the week or for the the new moon which has a lot to do with kind of maybe you know getting in over our head and there's some really some great wisdom here with that with that hexagram okay so one of the things that i wanted to really speak to um, now that we've kind of i think we've got the the vibe with neptune being co-present um we, I think that we've touched on the fact that Venus is contributing and probably bringing us some very interesting opportunities if we allow it into our life, maybe even bringing us an oceanic wave. Uh, you know, I think that one of the things we're experiencing in the final days of Pisces is that we have this, uh, we've been sitting and meditating and hibernating for a long period of time, and we may be getting a little bit antsy to take some action. Um, so this is where we feel kind of like we have all this latent potential that wants to be born. One of the things I was thinking about with Pisces season in general is, is the concept of pregnancy. And the hexagram that we were talking about this week is 28, which is called Great Exceeding. And I'll draw it for you in a minute. But that, that had the, um, the energy, I think, of, of being very pregnant with possibility pregnant with dreams, pregnant with visions, pregnant with uh, this, this, this um, animating force that wants to, to find expression. 
And this hexagram is moving to hexagram number one, which is which is the birth itself. Um, but again, there is some some cautionary things that I have with you with that. Uh, the the tarot card that is associated with this decan is the Ten of Cups. So the Ten of Cups, and in, in it you can see a. And I'll stop my share for just a second. Um, before I get to that, let's just look at the the rest of the planets that are having a conversation here. Okay, um, we do have Mars that is in a whole sign square with this new moon. It isn't isn't very close in degree, so it may not be as powerful as if it were, um, you know, closer in aspect. But we may have a number of options and directions that we could go in that may make us feel a little bit overwhelmed, a little bit like we are paralyzed and we don't know which direction we want to go in. The, the Eight of Swords is associated with this position of Mars. So one thing I've been telling my uh, Gemini friends and people who have felt overwhelmed by their options is you, you don't have to let go of all of the imagined pathways forever, but you may have to choose something to do in that moment and do, try to do it to the best of your ability. That's how we, you know, find focus is when we try to do too many things at once, we end up doing none of it very well. Uh, so I think that if you want to be able to bring your vision into manifestation in the best way possible, try to pare down that vision to what is most important and what is the, you know, the essence of it right now. Um, so the other uh, players in the game here are going to be... Uh, the two outer planets that are in earth signs right now. So we are going to have uh, a sextile to the new moon to Pluto. Now this is in pretty close aspect. Okay. So there may be, this new moon may help us to unearth some of the uh, buried um, corruption even. Uh, I, I like to think of Pluto as kind of this cosmic plumber where it's bringing, it's trying to unclog the toilets of our lives. And right now, Pluto is going through the area of the Zodiac associated with the Four of Pentacles, which, which has to do with administrating the material structures in our life. So think about this as like you are the CEO of your own, of, a, of your own life. And there may be some things that are corrupt in that area of your life because they've been repressed. This may be where you're, you know, you're feeling afraid of taking authority in your life and, and organizing your life to create new material uh, prosperity, abundance. Um, maybe there's been a death and a rebirth in the way that you use your resources and the way that you organize your life. I think everybody's been going through that with the pandemic and with COVID and a lot of people losing their jobs. And, and through that loss, they've, they've tried to find a new, a new reason for doing what they're doing. Um, through the loss of community, through the loss of some family members or the loss of, you know, a routine on some level. So that could be something that if we let that, you know, if we let the old pattern die and allow something new to be born, that can be useful in this new moon. We also have a whole sign sextile with Uranus. So this may be encouraging us to do something in an innovative way. All right. So we, we can't keep on doing something the old way. That's really Another thing that is is important with this new moon is we may have been doing something, you know, uh, for many years in a certain way, and now it's important for us to move forward. We had a, a, a chapter marker 
with the pandemic. It was almost a clearing of the decks so that we can create something uh, new that needs to be born. Okay. So that's something to consider. And, and within all of these births, there are definitely different cycles that we go through with it. There is obstacles that are inherent in the path. There is things where challenges that we have to overcome at the beginning of any new cycle. Sometimes it's very easy to feel overwhelmed because we're stepping into the unknown. We're stepping into a world that we don't have mastery over yet. And that's okay. That's where our courage comes in. That's where we have to be very cautious in the beginning and to make sure that we are not making a misstep. It's very easy when we are trying out something new to, to make a mistake. Sometimes the mistakes are, are you know, teachers though. So I think that we, we have to balance out our, our you know, cautiousness um, as far as being you know, afraid of taking a new step and making a mistake with also our courage to just step out into the unknown and be willing to uh, you know, not necessarily have all of it figured out right away. And even if we do slip up a little bit, that will be giving us important feedback to the adjustments that we have to make moving forward. Um, we've all gone through this. This is really what life is in general is we, we're trying out new things, we're getting feedback from the environment, and then we're making adjustments and constantly refining this. If we treat our life like, like a spiritual, a chemical project, we're constantly refining, we're constantly changing how much of one element is here and, and how much of another element is here. So eventually by, by our temperance, by our ability to keep blending that mixture, we will find equilibrium and balance. Okay. All right. So let me think for a second. Um, let's go now to this uh, 10 of cups that we're seeing here. So just to break down briefly the story of Pisces that we've been experiencing um, this is a really interesting concept that I think is very important if you want to do decanic tarot. Um, you start out with one decan, one 10 degree section that is sort of like a cardinal energy. Cardinal being the initiatory energy. We have cardinal signs that initiate the seasons, uh, Cancer, Capricorn, Libra, and Oh my God, come on, brain. <laughs> Aries, right? And we also have initiatory energy in a Deccan. So the initiatory energy that we have to come to terms with is going off in search of purpose, leaving something behind so that we can make a new start. And you can see that in the Eight of Pentacles, Eight of Cups, excuse me. In the middle Deccan, we have like a fixed energy where we have started to maybe, uh, you know, understand what is necessary in this, in this area of the Zodiac. And we may have started to have a balance between bringing it into form and the confusion that we started off with. So we see this in Pisces too, maybe this, this ability to work with spiritual energies to create something new. And then eventually we have the cadent part of the, of the Zodiac sign where we see the result. Okay. We see the, the ending the end result, the, the transition that could happen into something else. And in this card, the Ten of, of Cups, we have what can look like a happy ending. We have a, an ephemeral rainbow. Uh, we have this happy family dancing, dancing around underneath this rainbow of these 
uh, 10 cups of, of fulfillment. Um, you know, in the second card in Pisces, we may have been mistaking material prosperity for spiritual prosperity. And here we may have finally gotten past that to, to really find what the vision is that we're willing to sacrifice for. Now that's important because the face ruler of Pisces three is Mars. Okay. So each of these 10 degree sections has a planetary, uh, mask or a ruler that is helping out this area of the zodiac and we started off with saturn where we had this con confusion we were rejecting some of the um, material security in search of new meaning then we had the jupiter decan in, in pisces 2 where we are trying to find meaning and and bring order again and now we have to take action on that and figure out what we are willing to sacrifice to bring that spiritual vision down to earth like the like the nuthatch that we've talked about on this show before, the little bird that climbs down the trees and brings that spiritual vision on into manifestation. Um, the the key with this though is that uh, not every vision is worth sacrificing for, and that this is really the I think the important key with this new moon and what we're experiencing moving forward is. Pisces is not a sign that is known for boundaries, right? A lot of the literature surrounding Pisces talks about this, people with prominent placements in this sign pouring themselves into uh, whatever container comes their way on the, on the tide, on the ocean tide, right? Uh, whatever the tide brings in, they're going to like morph to that energy, right? And all the Pisceans in the chat box, you can confirm or deny that. But I've heard, I've heard some of you speak to that, speak truth to that. Um, but this is the key. We have to be careful and we have to understand what we're getting ourselves into. And I think that this new moon may be equally challenging because of the presence of both Venus and Neptune there. I think, yes, that Venus might bring us something amazing that we could pour ourselves into. So that is, the, I think, the positive. Neptune, though, may make us think that what we're pouring ourselves into is so beautiful or so illusionary that we're, you know, we end up going a little bit too far. And I think that that's the, the, the thing to bring into balance and the thing to remember with this is that um, Austin Kopic in his book, 36 Faces, talks about this card and this deck and being the heights of ecstasy, but also the, the, the pit of despair. We could we could have everything to gain and everything to lose in this decade, right? So equally important to make sure that you are aware of what you are pouring yourself into. Um, and uh, so I don't think that it's bad to have a dream. I don't think that it's bad to have a vision. I don't think that it is bad to have hope. Hope is actually part of this decade. Uh, it is the daimon or spirit associated with Pisces 3. It was called Elpis which roughly translates into hope or anticipation. But there are some cautionary tales about hope in Greek mythology. The, um, the counterpart to Elpis was morose, which translates to doom or hopelessness. And we have some stories of Pandora and Pandora's box. If you look at my uh, son in, in Pisces 3 video, you'll see that I used an image of Pandora's box on the video itself uh, to, to help uh, bring some meaning into this. If you're not familiar with the, Pan the Pandora story, I'll, I'll summarize. I, I read from Hesiod uh, in that video. 
this book right here, but I'll just summarize it real quick. Um, basically, the story goes like this. Prometheus, who was a titan, uh, which translates to foresight or foreknowledge, being able to see what lies ahead, um, stole fire from Zeus and from the gods, the, the creative animating spiritual fire uh, that helps to create life and gave it to humanity. So he helped make humanity a, a creator on some level. But this, this very much angered Zeus, okay? This was something where Zeus was like, hey, I'm, I'm the boss, I'm the creator. Uh, that is, you're going to be punished, Prometheus, for this, this um, disrespect. And not only did he chain Prometheus to the rock to have his liver be eaten out by a, a, an eagle or a vulture, daily and then have it regenerate this great pain, right? The liver was associated with Jupiter or Zeus as well. That was the Jupiterian organ. Um, but we also had Zeus uh, calling upon Hephaestus to create from clay the form of a, of a woman who uh, was given all of these gifts from various gods and goddesses of Olympus, okay? Like she was made very beautiful by Aphrodite, she was given this guile, guileness or this um, trickery impulse by Hermes. Uh, various other, uh, you know, Athena gave her gifts. So they gave her all these different gifts. Pandora uh, loosely translates to all gifts. Pandora, all gifts, okay? And uh, eventually this, this box and Pandora was given to Epimetheus, Prometheus's sibling. And Epimetheus uh, uh, translates to hindsight, Okay, being able to look back on something, right? And Epimetheus did not heed the warning of his brother Prometheus not to accept any gifts from Zeus. You know, Prometheus was like, if Zeus tries to give you something, it's probably going to be messed up, all right? It's not going to be something good because he's a wily uh, deity, right? He doesn't like me very much because I, you know, screwed him over with the fire thing, you know, but, um, but Epimetheus was foolhardy. And, uh, you know, accepted the gift of Pandora and she opened this box and all of the ills of, uh, you know, that could befall humanity were in this box, uh, old age, uh, disease, death, suffering, all of these things were unleashed onto the world. Um, but there did remain one thing that we could think of as positive in the jar. Uh, and there is actually some literature that I was reading from, from this book, Classical Mythology, where they brought into question whether hope or elpis was a positive or a negative thing. There was some debate around that. Um, but, but yes, elpis, aka hope or anticipation, was left in the lip of the jar. And it was something that even Prometheus, in, in this great poem, Prometheus Bound, had this conversation with the, the chorus of Oceaneids about uh, you know, saving that for humanity. Um, and saying, you know what, we are one of the only creatures, uh, as far as we know, I don't, I'm not another creature, so I don't know, but that are aware of their own impending doom, their own morose, their own death. And because of that awareness, um, there may be a sense of, there could be a sense of despair have, had we not received hope or anticipation. So this is the type of hope in this Deccan that can lead us to ignoring our impending doom, which is on one hand, but also can lead us to create in spite of it. And, and I think this is the lesson of the rainbow that I was talking about yesterday, is 
a rainbow is fleeting and a rainbow is, is beautiful. It's magical. It's whimsical, but it is fleeting. It, it only lasts for an hour or so, or even minutes after a rainstorm. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't enjoy it. That, that doesn't mean we shouldn't find beauty in it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't experience it. And I think that this is the key with Pisces 3 is just because whatever vision we're trying to enact is may, may potentially be fleeting and may be uh, ephemeral doesn't mean we can't take joy in it. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue it. Uh, sometimes with this very short human life, we need to experience it you know, as well as we can with the time that we are allotted. So this is something to, to consider with this new moon. What, what you create here doesn't necessarily have to be permanent. It could be some ephemeral beauty, uh, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Uh, and, but we have to be willing to take the good with the bad. Uh, we have to be willing to sacrifice something for that vision. All right? Whenever we really commit to a dream, we're giving up those other imagined paths. And I think that's the important thing here. Now, this fixed, uh, fixed star that's associated with, um, with this new moon is called Markab. All right. You all doing okay out there? I've seen some nice comments in the chat box here. Lisa says, fail fast, fail often, fail forward. I like that. Tarja says, Tarya, Tarya, I'm getting the hang of this now. Uh, she says, I love that Pandora myth. Yeah, it's, it is a really interesting story. I mean, myth, archetypal storytelling really can bring so much meaning to our life. Uh, it's something that has brought a lot of uh, peace of mind to, to my life, seeing that, that what I'm living is not necessarily just this random chaotic thing. Um, Lisa says, this is the same message that I've been receiving personally. Uh, and I'm, does that have to do with the uh, ephemeral nature of life and enjoying it to the fullest? That's, that's what I'm guessing she's commenting on, right? And Yevgen says that he's still alive. Yep, we're still, we're still kicking. We're still going, all right? So let's talk a little bit about Markab. Now, you can see here, Markab is in this great constellation of Pegasus, okay? And here's the sun. Eventually, we will have Venus coming together with Neptune here. And, and we're, we are seeing Venus heading into the heart of the sun uh, in the weeks ahead as well. So we, we may be seeing the rebirth of some kind of Venusian vision as well uh, with this cycle. Okay. But if we think about Markab, Markab is part of a series of fixed stars, including, uh, I, don't, I never know how to say this word. I think it's uh, sheet. She, Shiat, you know, like I always feel like I'm swearing, but scat, like with S-C-H-E-A-T. I'll have to figure out how that is pronounced, but that is one of the more difficult fixed stars in this constellation. Um, Markab being actually the one of the more positive ones, but we see these a fixed star arrangement in this constellation that is roughly in the shape of a square. So there is some kind of associations with the square uh, with um, the number four, since there are four prominent fixed stars, with which can speak to stability and things of that nature. Pegasus being the winged horse that uh, erupted from the severed head of Medusa. So maybe through um, being able to release some of our desire and release some of our, you know, our demons, uh, some we are able to take flight uh, on our dreams, right? Uh, Chernobyl Show says, sounds like Merkab. Uh, the ge geometric sacred 
figure. Yeah, Merkaba. Merkaba. Yeah, that's it. Um, I bet it does definitely have some associations with that. I don't think that the um I don't think that it is a coincidence when we have words that have a similar root. Now, one thing I wanted to do is read you a little excerpt from Oscar Hoffman's book, Fixed Stars in the Chart, where he's talking a little bit about Pegasus and some of the themes. And he, he, he describes uh, the hero or the, the faded, faded hero um, uh, named Bellerophon, okay? So this is part of the Pegasus myth. Of course, we had uh, Perseus, right? But um, he says that the winged horse Pegasus arises from the blood of Medusa, the sacrifice desire nature. Horses are symbols of strong instinctive forces, but this horse has wings, so it is rising up to Olympus, to the spiritual world of the gods. The powerful energy of desire is directed towards the heavens by the wings of wisdom. It is the hero Bellerophon, who tamed Pegasus and flies on its back above its enemies. From this lofty position, he defeats his opponents. One among them is the Chimera, a hideous mixture of a lion, a goat, and a snake. Again, one of the children of Typhon. That was the great uh, monster that Jupiter or Zeus fought to bring order back to the universe. Uh, again, one of the children of Typhon and the Echidna of death and earth. The arrows shot by Bellerophon at the Chimera did not manage to kill it, so he throws a chunk of lead into the monster's fire-breathing mouth, which then melts and kills it. Not for nothing is it lead, as this is the metal of Saturn, the planet of sacrifice, wisdom, and discipline. The warning is in the second part of the story, because Bellerophon, inspired by his first success, decides to make his way to the world of the gods on his own initiative. Zeus is not amused by such arrogance and sends a horsefly, which stings Pegasus, and Bellerophon is thrown off and falls to the earth. Blind and alone, Bellerophon roams the face of the earth for the rest of his life without any orientation or goal. Okay, so Bellerophon is also a child of Sisyphus, right? Another person who, who suffered from hubris and then was punished for it. And I think that really the lesson with this is that, you know, just because something has worked in the past um, does not necessarily mean it will always work moving forward. So I think that, again, with this new moon, um, if you are trying out something new and you find you have some success with it, just just be careful that you don't apply that um, that method to everything in your life. Uh, it, you know, there are definitely, excuse me, situations where we have success and, and we have to enact some sort of action to create success in that area of our life and which could be appropriate for that area of our life but could be wildly inappropriate for some other area and again it's 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 kind of like you know not getting too too high on your own ability right uh, I think that even when we are soaring to the to the spiritual heights we definitely still have to have that quality of humility and humility is very closely related to integrity. And a lot of times in integrity is really related to doing what is within our power and within our grasp. Doesn't mean that we don't necessarily try to stretch our wings and go beyond the limitations that we have uh, you know, crafted for our life. It just means that sometimes you know, as we stretch our wings, 
we have to have some kind of ordering principle as far as what we're doing within it. Um, so this, this may really come to fruition when we are, you know, dealing with Markab. Now, the interesting thing about Markab is that Markab is uh, the saddle of the horse. So Bernadette Brady does talk about this fixed star being a position of stability while we are ascending to the heights of our dreams. So one thing that could really help us out when we are, you know, going forth in this new moon is what thinking about and asking ourselves, what is the saddle that we are riding in? What is going to, you know, what function in our life, what limitations, what rules, what's, what circumstances are going to allow us to stay on the horse as it flies towards Olympus, right? Because, you know, you don't, you don't bring a saddle with you. You know, you may be flying high in the sky and you could f- very easily fall off the back of that wonderful, beautiful horse. You could fall off the vision. If you aren't, you know, bringing with you uh, stability and um, a good container for the dream, you know, a really solid container, you, you might have difficulties sustaining it over time. So Markab is that star that is about the stability within the ascension to the heights of our dreams. So again, that's, that's, that speaks to the balance of trying to find one way to keep a little, even if it's just a little pinky toe on the ground and stay grounded as we are, you know, figuring out what is next for our animating principle. Okay. So I want to show you a couple more cards. Uh, I'm going to go back to the uh, chart. And um, I hope that you're all doing well out there so far. Thanks for sticking with me today. If you're just joining us, uh, we're talking New Moon and Pisces 3. And we're going to move forward to the... um, We're moving forward to the first quarter moon, okay? Because I wanted to kind of show you... I want to go through the the lunar cycle as to what may be in the cards as we move forward. So uh, we have a few comments coming in. Lisa says, and vice versa, uh, you know, like, you know, not keeping ourselves too grounded, I'm assuming is what she is saying. We have to be, uh, we have to let ourselves fly a little bit outside of our comfort zone. Yes, I, I agree with that 100%. And then uh, Dimfana Adriana says, Vivian E. Robeson sounds a bit bit scary in his comments about Markab. Yeah, v- v- Mr. Robeson uh, <laughs> definitely gravitates towards a more negative experience with the fixed stars. Um, I wish I had that book sitting right next to me. I don't. But if you wanted to put in the chat box some of what, what he, he speaks to with it, um, I'd be curious to hear what he has to say. I think I have that on my shelf somewhere that is not within easy reach. But um, but yeah, generally, Vivian Robeson has a little bit more negative interpretations of these fixed stars. Uh, Oscar Hoffman does talk about the fixed stars of Pegasus being challenging as well. Um, he, he does say that Markab is the most positive of the four, though. Uh, so I guess we can take, you know, we could take some solace in that. Um, yeah, you know, he says, uh, uh, Shiat, Markab, and Al-Jineb are stars in Pegasus, which represent this story, and as, as expected, have quite malefic effects. Markab on the wing of Pegasus is the most positive, while Shiat, on the contrary, is placed on the left leg, 
much closer to the earthly mud and is clearly more malefic. All three stars give the opportunity to rise above material reality and desires, but it will go wrong if human limitations are not humbly observed and accepted. I mean, that really sums it up right there, right? I mean, we're trying to fly on the wings of this beautiful horse, but we are still incarnated in these bodies and have to respect some of the natural law. And some of the natural law includes time. It includes, uh, you know, living on limited, with limited resources. You know, we don't necessarily always have unlimited resources to work through. Doesn't mean we can't manifest more. Uh, it just means that, that that takes time and effort and energy. Um, we do have the, the limitation of only being able to do a certain amount of things at once. Well, I think is the thing. You can do a million things. And in this modern society, we do try to juggle a lot of things simultaneously. But what often ends up happening is we get distracted by things that aren't as important as the, the, the one thing that is really important to us. And that can end up pulling us off track. And and it can make the final product of what we are trying to create a compromise uh, and substandard sometimes. Um, I've recently been doing, you know, I got involved in some social media things recently. And, uh, and while those formats may be something that really resonate with certain people, um, for me, it just, it, it, it is, it feels more like a, just a distraction. And I had some hesitation about getting too involved with some of these new social media apps um, because of that, because my animating principle, my 100% yes, that I want to fly on the wings of Pegasus is to be able to read all these books that I bought <laughs> over the last few months and, you know, get to some kind of understanding of all the questions that I have about what this life is all about and what this what spirituality is all about and it is important for me to come down off the the mountaintop or come out of isolation and share wisdom with people every once in a while but i have to be judicious about that and choose when i do it and make it intentional like we are doing here in this live stream this is very intentional space where we can have this wonderful interaction with one another but if you get involved in these other more chaotic types of situations, it, it doesn't become intentional anymore. And I was finding that that was pulling me off of my goal. So I had to make a choice. Do I, you know, participate um, in these things willy nilly, whenever the spirit moves anybody, right? Or do I only participate when someone specifically invites me to speak on a topic, which I will, like with these kind of new social types of arrangements, I will, if someone has something they want me to speak on or discuss, I definitely am all about participating, but I am not going to engage with that content in a way where I'm just available 24 seven to, you know, chat with people that, that to me is taking me off of my, my intention, right? Um, we have some comments coming in. Tarya talks about books. Yes, she's a reader. I love, I love that, Tarya. You are a reader. Lisa is saying that this is sage advice. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. I hope, I hope so. I hope you're getting some things from this. Um, Adriana is saying with moon injuries from, yeah, she's, I think she's speaking to what Robeson talks about with Markov. So thank you for doing that research for me. She says with the moon, Markov with the moon, injuries from enemies, bad for gain and domestic matters. Fairly good health, but many accidents. If Mars be with the moon, death by wild beasts or soldiers. If a malefic be with 
singula orinus, death by human hands. Yeah, I mean, this is something we see with Robeson a lot is he really likes to tell us all the ways that we could die <laughs> like from these big stars, which, you know, potentially in the time that he was writing, I think it was, you know, from some of these ancient sources, we get a lot of this from Ptolemy. He was doing a lot of interpretations of Ptolemy. Um, that may have been a time frame where death was always around the corner. Not to say that it isn't now. But we do, we have had some advancements in um, medical science and in the way that we arrange society and, and things like that. So that some of these significations we may have to modify slightly to think about them not always represent, uh, you know, the, the great reaper being around every corner, right? Uh, and Adriana says influence and it gives honor, riches, fortune, and dangers, but dangers from fever, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think that uh, <laughs> she's left. Um, so uh, I think that we have to take some of the ancient interpretations slightly with a grain of salt. And this is true when we're examining source texts like Firmicus Maternus as well. Um, there is a lot of like in these, um, if we do happen to upon a cookbook style uh, ancient astrology text, uh, a lot of the time, they will definitely talk about worst case scenarios with those placements, um, which I have seen that manifest. D don't get me wrong. There, there have definitely in modern times still been instances of people literally being beheaded when they have a contact with algal, which we have the story of Medusa losing her head. That, that happens. Um, I believe that there was an algal placement with, uh, that was present when you know Princess Diana died and i believe that in the accident she you know had some kind of severed head type of experience i could be wrong on that but um there have been other instances where it the, the myth plays out literally um but you know we do have to make adjustments with this uh lisa saying we'll follow you up the mountain thank you lisa i will do my best to be a responsible uh sherpa or guide um and try to figure out uh, a balanced way for us to ascend to the heights of our dreams together. Okay. So um, what were we speaking to here? I'm losing my train of thought. I think we were trying to move towards the first quarter moon and uh, we were kind of wrapping up Pegasus and, and kind of like, you know, the stability that we may be finding through this new moon. Um, so let's talk about the first quarter moon a little bit. So I want to move forward to the 21st of March because we're going to see the moon is separating. Now, one, one thing to consider, this is kind of something that ancient astrologers would talk about, is that the first aspect that a moon makes, a new moon, after we get out of 15 degrees of the conjunction with the moon, uh, will be said to give us a flavor of this new moon, all right? Because that, that was a condition called under the bond. So it was sort of like the significations of creation were held in check until it could escape this, you know, these beams. So we see actually here that the first aspect that we're going to experience when the moon gets out of that 15 degree range here is a sextile with Saturn, okay? So it is a positive aspect, but with a malefic planet. 
So this may be that that when we are, are pursuing our dreams, that we bring limitations to those dreams, and they they may be a good thing, right? Like by by consolidating and, and paring down our vision to something more manageable, we may be able to sustain it over the long haul. Okay, so so consider that at, with this new moon is that you may it's okay to start with the dream. Like when we start dreaming, we don't want to necessarily put limitations on it right away. Okay, this is true with the creative process too. If you if you are a creative person, you don't want to become the editor right away. You you want to suspend that editing function in the beginning so that you can channel all of the substance of the dream. Okay, this is like the midwife type of experience that I talk about. Uh, that I have talked about in my songwriting classes in the past, where you have to first open up yourself as a channel. And one example of this is we that we did an exercise called object writing, where we would write for 10 minutes uh, without form and try to just do like a uh, create an experience, create a world that was based on our senses. And it would just be this stream of consciousness. And eventually we could pull out images from that stream of consciousness to turn into song lyrics. That is the editing process we are, where we are paring it down to create something that is coherent. But in the very beginning, we want to open ourselves up. So I think that the way we're going to be going through this new moon experience is we have to first allow ourselves to be open to possibilities, right? We have to figure out what we're willing to, to give up, uh, what, what dream we're willing to sacrifice other parts of our life for. And then we have to figure out what is possible by paring it down to something manageable and something that can be sustained over time, okay? Uh, I'm thinking about this again as well with like creation of classes. I know all of you have been encouraging me to create classes and, and I, I am in the process of that. Uh, I just, I take my time with it and I want to make sure that it's sustainable and that um, I'm not getting in over my head because my first impulse when I, when I start something new is very expansive. It's like, I want to do the biggest thing possible. You know, I want to do it all, you know, like, and then over time I have to pare it down into something manageable. And that's the process I'm in right now. I've got a lot of really great ideas. So, um, something's coming, it's brewing. It's, it's, it's gestating. I think that that's the phase we're in the gestation phase. So when we get to the first quarter moon, all right, this first quarter moon is going to be happening around, um, the 21st. So I'm going to go forward here. And we can see that on the 21st, we're going to have a square between the moon and the sun at about one degree. Okay. One degree of Aries and Cancer. So by this time, the sun will have moved into Aries we will be like, I'm ready to take action on this dream. I've pared it down into something manageable. Let's go. Let's do it, right? We've, we've just are, are coming into the Kazemi moment for Venus and the sun, where Venus is going to be reborn on the 26th. So that's something to keep your eye out for here. Um, we also, during this phase, the host of the sun has changed from Jupiter to Mars. So instead of like taking this long range view, excuse me, of what we want to create, um, because Jupiter is hanging out in Aquarius and is able to, you know, have some objectivity, 
you know, our actions, our awareness are going to be motivated by this Mars and Gemini that is feeling the impulse to take action on like a million different things. So I'm just going to warn you in advance, you're going to want to like move forward, but there may be so many different pathways to express your dream that you could, you know, start to feel a little bit challenged by that. Now, with the moon in Cancer here, one of the things that we are trying to do when the sun is in Aries 1 is differentiate from the cosmic, you know, oneness, from the unified, uh, you know, the matrix, right? From the unified consciousness, from whatever you want to call the, the, the divine, uh, you know, blob <laughs> that we're trying to, to manifest some kind of point of light from. Okay, so we're, we are using Mars's axe to separate ourselves. The axe was associated with the first decan of Aries to, to differentiate into our singular point of consciousness, right? We're trying to force the, uh, the, the seed above ground into something visible, right? We've, we've been gestating over Pisces season in the winter, and now something is wanting to be born. And I really think that this March 21st time period is about labor pains, uh, you know, we have the moon in a, in a maternal sign. We're trying to find ways to nurture our newfound individuality. And we, it may be creating even some challenges. Our, our, you know, our individual impulses may be even creating some tension within our domestic sphere. Sometimes we have to balance out being parents, being, you know, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, uh, husbands and wives. With, with our individual needs. So I think that that could be some themes that could come up at this square. So around this period of time, just make sure that you are trying to check in with the people that you love. And uh, we don't wanna pursue the dream at the expense of those people. We have to try to find a way to integrate all of that into our life, okay? Um, so when we see this movement forward even to the full moon, and I'm going to clear my drawings here, the, the culmination of this energy that we're starting tomorrow is going to be happening on the 28th of March, which is right here. And this is where we're going to be seeing a full moon at eight degrees of Libra opposing eight degrees of Aries sun. Okay, so here is our opposition point where we're going to see something coming to fruition that it wants to be born. All right, now these oppositions, a lot of the times they are something that we have to, where we have to restore some balance. Oppositions were of the nature of Saturn, okay, in the theme of Mundi. And Saturn is that great balance restorer. It was that concept of nemesis that restores right proportion. So in the pursuit of our dream, we may have been, you know, neglecting some of our relationships. And here we will have to restore that balance. We will have to know that we can't just get everything that we want willy-nilly. Um, we are going to have to make some compromises and we're going to have to make some adjustments for the other people in our life or through our societies. You know, we, sometimes we can't just manifest a dream uh, because of the, you know, in every facet that we want because of the limitations of our, of our community. You know, we have laws that we have to follow. We can't just like say, oh, I need some money. I'm going to go rob a bank. That's the way I'm going to do this. And I, that's what I want. So I'm going to go do it. You know, there will be, you know, consequences for that. Um, this particular 
uh, full moon has the Venus Kazemi kind of moment baked into it. So there will be the birth of something kind of new in regards to that. But it also has this moon that is uh, on the fixed star diadem. And we'll break this down in much more depth at our next live stream uh, around the 28th, probably Saturday or Sunday here, uh, where we are going to be talking about that in depth. And I want you to tell me how your dream manifests and what, what compromises you may have had to make along the journey uh, and how you are kind of making the adjustments to make it a sustainable venture. But, but, but keep in mind that this full moon is on a fixed star called Diadem, which is about sacrifice for the family. There probably will be some kind of sacrifice that has to be made, um, but for the good of your community, not just for the good of yourself. The story of Diadem just briefly was um, the, the wife of the Bernices, the wife of, the pharaoh, of an Egyptian pharaoh, had to sacrifice her hair to uh, the goddess Aphrodite to ensure the safe return of her, of her husband from war for the good of the, of the kingdom, right? And this was a great sacrifice back in that period of time. I mean, you know, shaving your head was not like the, the, the hip thing to do back then like it may be now. Um, so that was a, you know, you know, shaving off kind of a, a representation of your, your, your womanhood or your femininity or, or status as well. So um, something to consider that there may, throughout this lunar cycle, we have themes of martyrdom in the beginning and what you're willing to sacrifice for. And then we may come to the moment at the full moon of actually making the sacrifice itself. So consider that as we move forward, as wh what will you have to give up to bring this new vision into being, okay? All right, so that is kind of the, the lunar, you know, thing that we're going through here. Um, I'm going to go back to the, full, the new moon just so we can kind of uh, get, wrap our head around that. And what I want to do now is I want to show you the hexagram that I pulled for this and discuss that in a little bit of detail here. I pulled hexagram number 28. Y'all doing okay out there? Out in virtual land? I'm getting some nice comments here in the chat box. Taria says, Venus shows up very interestingly. Yeah, it's Venus will be in its exile during that full moon. So there may really be some tension between what we're having to give up in our, in our relationships and what we want to bring to manifestation. Um, life isn't always easy, you know? This is... a uh, hexagram number 28, and it is moving to hexagram number one, okay, which is very interesting. So the hexagrams are a combination of two trigrams. So 28 is the combination of the lake. So we have the lake over here, okay, the lake or the marsh, they call it, on top of, all right, on top of uh, the wind or wood, the tree, something that is flexible, something that is bendable. Okay. And then with number one, we have this hexagram, heaven. Okay. This is heaven or the creative force. So this is heaven on top of heaven. This is the, the creative force doubled. Okay, that's the way we can think about these, these hexagrams, is they are two trigrams put together. 
And with these changing lines, we're going to see six solid lines. That's a, a really powerful yang energy that we're moving towards. Okay. Um, so the lake on top of the wind and the wood, this is called great exceeding or critical mass or great excess. And I take this to interpret, uh, my interpretation of this is that we are feeling um, this great potential. In some of the interpretations of this I Ching hexagram, they talk about a tree that's submerged under, under a lake. Uh, all of our adaptability, our flexibility is just being, is coming to this, this breaking point, right? We see so many different options, but we feel heavy with the desire to just get on with it. And that can feel overwhelming. We may just feel overwhelmed with, with the um, inherent potential that wants to be born. Our creative force has been, been you know, you know, really building up over the course of the winter. And we may be really itchy to be like, I got to get started. I got to do something. It's spring, right? This is kind of like the, the Pisces energy is we, we get these days, these previews of spring, and we want to go out in our shorts and stuff. And then we want to plant our gardens and do all of these things. But we have to realize that, it, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, it can still frost over. Winter can, is still here. And if we plant our seeds too early and with too much gusto, that, that early season frost can destroy all of that good work. I've learned that the hard way, um, being a gardener in, you know, Michigan, where I've planted my garden way too early. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's warm and it's warm. And then we get this frost and you have to start all over again. Okay. So this is something to consider in Pisces season is we, we have this desire to get moving, right? Um, and we are feeling very flexible. The lake in the marsh is kind of abundant with life. We have all this abundance that wants to be born right now. And Hilary Barrett, in her uh, very good translation, Walking Your Path, says, what is overloaded? Okay. What have you outgrown? What must you do? And she quotes, great exceeding, the ridgepole warps, fruitful to have a direction to go, creating success. So in the, in the I Ching, they talk about the ridgepole that supports these tent-like homes or tent-like structures. So here we have like all of this pressure, you know, that is built up over time that where we feel like we're going to snap, right? And I, I'm, I was comparing, as I was doing this, I was meditating on the late stages of pregnancy. Now I am not a, a woman, so I've never experienced a literal pregnancy, but I am an artist. So I have experienced the pregnancy of a creative project that wanted to be born so bad and just feeling the labor pains. And it was like, oh, it's so painful. It has to be born, you know, and I'm feeling this now with, you know, trying to figure out what's next in my career as far as like teaching and stuff like that. I feel very pregnant with ideas right now. Um, but I have to figure out, like, I have to go through the labor pains to, to bring it into fruition. Okay. And we may all be feeling that right now. We've We've been asked to give up a lot and sacrifice a lot of sociability. Um, we've been, you know, asked to stay on our homes and give up some other things. And now we're ready to be birthed into something new with this spring. I think we're getting close to the, you know, being able to, to mingle again and things like that. Um, and we're ready. We're ready. Like it's, you know, I, I know that we have some, some women in the audience here. Any of you, I'm sure that some of you have had children. Uh, 
you know, maybe you could speak to that with more authority than me. I know that you can, as far as the physical birth, but was there, did there come a point in your pregnancy where you're just like, I'm so tired of this. I'm ready to meet this baby. I'm ready to get this thing out of my body. Like just, it's just, it sucks. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling just big and like, like, like I'm going to burst, you know, <laughs> right? I think there's just a point where you're over it. The beginning of a pregnancy can be a beautiful thing, I'm sure. But then there's a point where it's just like, nope, I just get this child out of me. <laughs> I'm done with it. And I think that that's what this hexagram is really speaking to. Okay. Um, so we, uh, I have some more notes about this where we are, um, Watering, sometimes when we water a tree excessively too, we can drown it. So there can be an imbalance here too. So there's some changing lines here. Uh, <laughs> like Tarya says, waiting for that baby course of yours. Yes. Yes. I, it, and as, like I said, it's coming, but you have to understand the Taurus moon part of me that is never going to rush something. And this is something that has brought me success in my life is not rushing my process. And uh, that's how I've been able to sustain, I think, the standard of quality that I hold myself to is by taking my time, right? And uh, when, it, when it does come, it will be fully, hopefully it'll be fully cooked rather than some kind of premature birth that will create problems that, that require even more attention to, to bring back into balance. It'll be a big, robust, you know, eight or nine pound healthy baby course that you'll be able to like, you know, they'll grow into a, a, a healthy human adult course eventually. Okay. And Adriana says, yes, the foot in the ribs. And that's what we're feeling right now, right? The foot in the ribs. So there are some changing lines. We have, we, we do see the changing line at the very base of this hexagram, which is about kind of the material reality, the very beginning of this journey. And then we see one at the very top, which is, has to do more with kind of the spiritual expression of this energy. So line one says, for the offering mat, use white thatch grass, no mistake. So in this interpretation of this sort of ambiguous type of uh, quote, we, we are thinking about, you know, reinforcing the roof, you know, this could be about taking great care in your new endeavor. They, there was uh, interpretations that were talking about taking the humble first steps, but paying attention to the details in the beginning to avoid mistakes. We may feel pressure to act, but be very careful. So this is where when we're trying to put that new endeavor out, when you're trying to give birth to that new creative baby, you want to have a good support system around you. Uh, you know, the best type of birth is where you have that midwife with you, where you have a doula, where you have, if you have a doctor, you have somebody that's ready to catch it, some container. You're in, maybe you're in a supportive environment like a birthing center or a hospital or, or your, your home or you have this pool ready to catch that baby. You don't want to give birth out in the middle of nowhere with no support. That would be scary. That would make it, uh, that would have more vulnerability for the new child. So when we are trying to give birth to our creative projects, we want to make sure that we are, you know, staying humble, that we're paying attention to the, the details. All right. Like, like for these classes, one of the things I'm thinking about is uh, this is so mundane, but how do I take payment? You know, how do you take payment? How do you organize the class? What time do you meet? How do you, uh, you know, communicate with the people that sign up? Where do you put uh, educational materials? Do you need to put it in a Dropbox? These are all little things that, 
you know, you don't necessarily think about when you're thinking about the essence of a class, but when you're teaching it, all of those have to fit in to your, to the lived life, right? The other question would be, how does a class fit into the videos that I do on my YouTube channel? Like at, at a certain point, I have a lot of things that I'm doing right now and I have to figure out how do I fit it in to the schedule that I'm already doing with the creation that I'm doing. And this will lead us into the next thing because there will have to be a sacrifice. Line six says, exceeding in wading the river, your head is dunked underwater, pitfall, but no mistake. So this is where we're wading into the vision of our new dream. We may go to a little bit too far and get in over our head. There is the possibility with this, especially with Neptune and the lack of boundaries that we feel in Pisces. Um, we may have difficulty integrating whatever this new impulse is or this new vision into our life. As I just said, I, I'm actually thinking uh, a lot about how I'm going to integrate teaching more into the schedule, as I just have said. Um, but again, it, was, it, it says that a part of you will have to be sacrificed to bring something new into, into fruition. So maybe for me, that means that I, I might have to dial back on some of the YouTube videos to do a class or something like that, or dial back on some other part of my life to be able to support this new thing that I'm creating. And for all of you, there may be something that you have to dial back and you have to sacrifice if you want this little thing to live. When we have a child, and I have a, I have a child, so I understand this, you, a part of you dies. You know, even though you are, you are birthed as a new, with a new identity as a parent, the old person that didn't have, uh, that didn't have responsibility for that young person is, is dead. And that has to be accepted. You have to give up your free time. Like you may think that, oh, I get a babysitter when I get a child. It doesn't really work that way. The first few years of a child's life, you know, you better get used to being, you know, there for that kid. And, uh, you know, I think that you, you die as a single person, you die as a, uh, a, a childless person, and you are reborn as somebody with great responsibility. And um, I think that when I first became a parent, I had some struggles with that. And I think that everybody has some ambivalence, even though they don't want to admit it. Um, I think a lot of parents are, uh, you know, parenting is difficult. And the birth of any endeavor is, is difficult. We all may have some ambivalence about what we're giving birth to. But I think that when we accept the reality of our situation and we fully commit to it and we sacrifice that old life, that's when we really can give what is necessary, the nurturing that is necessary for that creative child to, to grow into adulthood. And um, the sacrifices, I think, are worth it. You know, again, you have to really be clear about what you are trying to pour your faith into this new moon cycle. But if you really find something that is really, uh, you know, that you really feel resonates with you, that in your gut is 100%, yes, this is it, it may be time to go for it. it and, and, but recognize that it is going to change your life and you might not be the same person afterwards. Uh, Susanna says, I love being pregnant all the way. <laughs> of course you do. You're a cancer. <laughs> like, so like, so there's, you know, the, this uh, cancerian energy um, is kind of like, uh, you know, the mother archetype. So I'm not surprised by that. Susanna is also an, a very um, 
a very talented artist. I've been really following along with her, her Instagram and, and enjoying seeing her paintings. So I think that um, the way that I've used that Cancerian desire for pregnancy is I, I, I'm always trying to create things. You know, I'm always trying to create new things, whether they're artistic things or new videos or new classes or new sharing of wisdom. Yeah, I love that feeling too. I, I feel lost if I'm not in the creative process. Um, and since my body can't physically produce a child, I have to produce brain, brain babies and, and creative babies of the heart and of the spirit, right? Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, you know, the other thing to consider with cancer though, is it's not just the, the part of uh, giving birth itself. It's how do you nurture that, that, that innocent thing into adulthood? So that's another thing we probably enjoy doing. But follow Susanna on Instagram if you want to see some great artwork. She has a really interesting um, visionary kind of ethereal quality to her artwork that I really, I really resonate with, probably because we have the sun at a, the same degree, 15 degrees cancer. Uh, but I really like the kind of the way that she brings in fantasy and like um, just innocence. There's a great innocence to her art that I really appreciate. So Susanna, thumbs up on your on your artwork. And I know that um, she's been thinking about, you know, diving more into doing her, her work professionally. And maybe that's part of her new moon story here. I say go for it, Susanna, because uh, you're t very talented. Um, so when we are looking at this, these changing lines, it's changing into creation. That's what this number one is. It's called heaven, creative force, creative power. And number one, here's some questions that we ask. How can you liberate your creative energy? What wants to be created? What wants to be born? And I quote, creative force from the source, creating success, constancy bears fruit. So this is about staying true to our intentions, aligning our choices with the vision uh, when we are creating, because uh, a lot of the times we, when we create, we sometimes we make uh, you know compromises, and we want to stay true to the animating force that we've worked so hard to get through this Piscean season. Tarya says, "I have Susanna's painting in my living room. That is amazing." Uh, so yes, you are f finished friends, and uh, that is that is great that you have been able to buy her art and have a physical representation of it. Do, do you all live in the same area? I didn't. Didn't know if you were neighbors or not. Um, it's a big country, <laughs> but I never know who knows uh, each other here. But that is really cool. I, hopefully, one day I'll have one of Susanna's paintings hanging in my in my house. So maybe we could do a trade, Susanna. We'll trade some some astrological things for one of your beautiful, beautiful paintings. Uh, consider it, you know. <laughs> um, so let's see. So we have to stay true to our intentions. Um, we have to feel aligned with our inner creative force. It's very yang energy this, that, that we're going to be moving towards. Action, birth, uh, a primal directive propelling us towards our destiny. That was one of the other kind of interpretations. So you have to ask yourself, how, how far are you prepared to go? Can you sustain this new vision? And, and by committing to it and letting go of something and sacrificing for that vision, you're just going to propel yourself to a new destiny whatever it is, you know, and that's where the great unknown is uh, coming into, uh, into being here. So I think that's uh, what I've got as far as just all the information and notes that I had. Is there any questions that you have? If, if, do you have any, um, 
anything that you want to pick my brain about before we we end this this wonderful experience with one another um, and i'll i'll keep a i'll keep a stalling for the 20 minute delay until i could see any of it in there um but yeah tell me a little bit about what your dreams are right now anything gestating anything uh, are you pregnant with any possibilities and you don't have to be super specific but i'm i guess i am curious as to to what people are uh have cooking a little bit I'll stop my share here. Um, yeah, let me know in the chat box. And I just want to say thank you so much for everybody that stopped by. Thank you to my friends from Finland. Thank you for uh, everyone else who has stopped by, Yevgen and Lisa and Adriana, for all your contributions uh, to the chat box here. Um, you know, if you're enjoying this channel, make sure that you're subscribed. If you're watching this after the fact, leave me a comment. Hit that like button. That always helps the, the algorithm. Um, if you want to make a, a material uh, donation to what I'm doing and help to, to propel me to the, give me oracular space and time to keep creating this content and creating the dreams, you can buy me a coffee or a smoothie, as Tarya likes to say, at, at buymeacoffee.com. That is so appreciated. All of you who have donated, thank you so much. That, is, that takes a, a lot of the burden of material worry off of my shoulders and, and allows me to be fully present um, with this oracular space. And I think that sometimes that that helps, uh, you know, you are supporting the birth. You're, you're like my, my, um, my midwives when you're donating, buy me a coffee or buy me a smoothie. You're helping me to, to give birth to these things. And that is so appreciated. So thank you for all of that. Um, okay. So I'm seeing uh, Adriana says, propel yourself into a new destiny. Wonderf wonderfully put. Yeah, that's what we're doing here. We're, we're going to the new birth of spring. Um, just again, be, be patient with the process. You don't have to rush it. Uh, follow the natural law like the seasons, okay? Plant the seeds, water it just enough to allow it to grow, nurture it, fertilize it when it's appropriate, but don't overwater it. You don't have to, you know, if you, if you water five gallons on a new baby, you know, sprout, you're going to drown it, Okay. So only do that which is necessary uh, for the time, that which is required. And eventually through your faith and your patience, you, you'll be rewarded with that, that beautiful plant and the fruit and you'll be able to eat the fruit and then it'll return to the earth. And that's just part of the natural cycle and it keeps on going into infinity. All right. Okay. I think that's what I've got for all of you today. Thank you so much for being here with me. Uh, I really love these chats. I really love interacting with all of you here on YouTube live. Um, keep your eyes peeled for more videos from now until the, the full moon, but, but I will schedule another live stream somewhere around the 27th or the 28th of March. So then we can all check in with one another and see how, how the, uh, the vision is going, how the birth is going. Okay. So that's what I've got for you today. I'll see you the next time. Remember to be kind to one another as you go through this, especially with Mars and Gemini. Think before you speak. Try not to use those words as weapons. And most of all, be kind to yourself through this process and be gentle with yourself so that, you know, you know self-acceptance can really lead to a, a better birth as well. Forgiving yourself for not doing more, uh, that is one of the things that can really lead you to a better manifestation. So have a great weekend, everyone. Have a great new moon, and I will see you the next time. Take it easy. Peace.